0: Would you take a moment and uh, not only welcome the people online in the room, but thank our worship team as well for leading our, our hearts this morning. Really appreciate them a whole lot. Man, it's great to be able to see you guys this morning. I love Christmas. I love Christmas series. I love being able to focus on what God's wanting us to think about as we we come together this month, as we get ready to invite a few friends on the Christmas services as well. But it's great to see all of you today. Uh, I I love the the series Nate came up with, uh, Behold. I have a tendency to make things pretty wordy, as you well know if you've been here for a while. Uh, The whole idea of, uh, I remember a few years ago, we wanted to do something. That was really big, and and we called it the Christmas forecast. And and each week we added something to the stage a little bit more, a little bit more. Finally, on the last weekend, we called it sledding down the hill. It was the forecast of needing a savior, and and uh, we, we built a, a hill thirteen feet high. Anybody remember seeing that? Yeah, years ago. And then if you came to faith in the Lord that year, whoever helped bring you to faith, you got to slide down that hill on that weekend. It was oh, it was a lot of fun. I remember we even talked. To Rick Zabel was one of her fellows bless his heart who built built that and he said uh, well we got her done George it's uh, it's 13 feet up in the air we call it faith hill what do you think you know <laughs> he, he's country so i said that's, that's great but I, I love any celebration of christmas and i love the simplicity of of this this moment of just simply to behold, And this weekend, we behold the shepherds. And they were told to behold a couple of times. And, and as uh, we go through the story and, and allow the joy that they had, which needs to be the experience that we have as we understand the message of Jesus, as we begin to, to, to look at their story, realize that that word behold simply means to see or to observe. But when you get a word suddenly in the translation, the King Jer- James Version usually would say, lo, and behold, all right. Now, lo and behold is more than see and observe. Lo and behold in the Bible simply means to see and observe and realize this is a pivotal moment, and it's more than likely a surprise. We'll have a couple of those now. As I go through the scriptures, you'll see a couple of words usually in each passage that may be uh, capped and uh, bold and a little bigger. And if you want to say those words with me as we go through, you can. But this will be a little bit of the play-by-play story. We're in. Luke chapter 2, we're diving in on the joy that the shepherds found in this experience of hearing the message of Jesus from the angels. In verse 8, it says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Now, the reason we highlight a couple of those words is because they were staying, they were literally living out in the field, and they were guarding. They were making sure that the baby lambs were coming into the world safely. Uh, I don't know if you can quite see or tell, but I GPS the distance between Bethlehem and Jerusalem. Not that I'm going to need that anytime soon, but it's only 6.1 miles, and it'll take you two hours and 11 minutes to walk there. Now, this was not the path that Mary and Joseph had. They came all the way from Nazareth. We'll see that a little later. But this was simply how close Bethlehem was to the temple in Jerusalem. The reason that's important is many of the ancient rabbis have written and recorded that Bethlehem was loaded with sheep because most all of the sheep in Bethlehem would wind up as sacrificial lambs in Jerusalem. And the amazing ironic thing of Jesus appearing and, and, and angels appearing, inviting them to come and see the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. They were used to that. They were very vigilant. They lived out there in the fields. Now, verse 9, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Good job. Thanks for participating. All right. They, they were terrified. Now this is our first suddenly, our first lo and behold, and they're surrounded by the radiant glory of God. Just one angel at this point. We got more to come in a moment, but I, I wonder what that would have been like. And we can only imagine what the illumination of the radiance of the glory of God would be. I don't have much to compare that to, except I've had uh, cataracts on both eyes, surgically taken care of. One 10 years ago in the month of May, and the other one five years ago in the month of December. I highly recommend December if you're going to do cataract surgery, because you have not seen Christmas lights until you've seen them the day after cataract surgery, all right? On the square at Charlestown, boom, who needs Woodstock? This is amazing, all right? There's something about the illumination all over the place, and I can only, we can only imagine what that would be like for an angel, just one angel, and then the glory of God to surround, and they were terrified, they were afraid. Verse 10, the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all. All people. All these words are so important, and I, I'm one of these highlighters. And when I'm done, I go back and circle. And when I'm done with that, I go back and, and highlight in another color. You know, I just overlay, overlay, overlay. But to all people, it's one thing to hear a message from heaven. This is for you. This is for my people. No, this is to all people. And I think the shepherds had to reflect just for a moment. Now, what was it that God said to Abraham long ago? I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make you real famous and a great name among people. I'm going to bless everybody who blesses you, and I will curse everyone who curses you, my people. And then at the end of that talk in Genesis 12, God tells Abraham something we have overlooked for a long, long time. He says, and I will bless all the nations through you. Would you say that with me? All the nations through you. Through you, One more time, all the nations through you. Wonder why we do so many services on the weekend, why we do so many mission trips, because we believe God wants to reach and bless and bring to heaven one day all the nations who will believe, and he's going to do it through you and me and us together. Now, verse 11 and 12, it says the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, city of David, and you'll recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Some of you uh, may remember back in the King James Version, what kind of clothes would he be wrapped in? Swaddling, all right? I don't know what in the world that really means except... The more study you do on it, they were just strips of cloth all put together and made into a big wrapping. It's kind of like you wrap up the baby and then you wind him up like a top. I don't know how that works. But but it was mostly the sign of poor people. They didn't have like this real wealthy rich two or three blankets to choose from. They took what they had and put him together and they're saying that this is going to be a sign. A savior, a city, and a sign in this angel visit that brought joy to the shepherds and if we can hear it, if we can behold it, will bring joy to us today. Now, other times when an angel would visit, uh, not long before this, an angel visited Zechariah. That was John the Baptist's father who was a priest. And if you read that story, you find out he's doing his priestly duties and the angel Gabriel shows up. He's been making a few trips to, down to earth now, uh, Mary, Joseph, and, and now Zechariah. And he just simply says to uh, Zechariah, God's gonna give your wife a baby, you two are gonna have a child in your old age and this is gonna happen and he's gonna pave the way, prepare the way for the Messiah coming up. He's gonna be, you know, this and that. And rather than believe it, Zechariah says, okay, how do I know this is gonna happen? How do I know this is gonna be true? Never ask an angel for two forms of ID, okay? <laughs> just, just, just trust him the first time, all right? And he said, okay, I'll tell you what, you won't be able to say a word until that baby is born, and you better name him John if you know what's good for you. And he didn't even get a chance to say wow. He just, mm, and that was it. He couldn't say a word until John the Baptist, because he suspicious. He doubted. Mary didn't doubt. When Gabriel appeared to her, and told her something that was beyond her understanding. She didn't say, how do I know I can trust you on this? She says, I took biology. How? How is this going to happen? Divine pregnancy, woman without a man, and Gabriel unpacks the divine plan of the miracle. Don't ever try to over-explain a miracle. Just accept it as the mighty work in the hand of God. And that's what these guys were hearing a Savior in this city. And here's the sign that you need to have. Now, verse 13, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, We'll continue that in just a moment. This is our second, lo and behold. Suddenly, another interruption. Here comes all these angels. Uh, they would fill more than a stadium. They would fill the sky, and the and the shepherds look at them and they try to behold. They try to take all this in of what God is telling them specifically. Because at this point, they're in the shock factor, but they have to be starting to think. I think we're supposed to do something with this. I think we're probably supposed to tell somebody. So we had better pay attention because everybody. Showed up. Now, the Bible here in the New Living Translation, it says the armies of heaven. It doesn't say the choir. They might have sung, but it doesn't record here that they sang. I personally hope they would have, but that's it's not up to me, okay? Uh, you know, I got all sorts of, of playlists that I hope they would go into, but it, it, no, no, no. Not even joy to the world, the Lord. But they said that, but they might have only said it because it was the army of heaven. This is a spiritual battle when Jesus left heaven to come to earth for you and me like never before. It is on and the devil is after him and the armies show up to make sure these shepherds hear this story loud and clear. You were praising God in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. They had to have a moment thinking, I guess that's us. God's pleased with us. Peace on earth. Now, little history, God has not spoken for 400 years. Since Malachi to the New Testament, beginning with Matthew, till this moment, God has been silent for a reason. Galatians 4.4 says, in the fullness of of time and we're at this fullness of time right now this moment in history for peace on earth glory up high peace out they're ready to go but they're saying peace is going to come to earth and listen to this message it is with those whom God is pleased all they knew was war all they knew was the tyranny of, of Roman oppression for God's people and now they're saying peace is coming Verse 15, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. They didn't make any excuses. They didn't say, you know what, could we rewind this and let me look at this again. What did you see? Did you you hear the same thing? This was not a group hallucination, all right? They all heard, they all saw the same thing in real time. And the focus shifts now in the Bible from the angels. They had done what they were told to do. They had said what they were told to say. They're done and they're back to heaven. And now the shepherds are alone and they look to each other and they decide they don't defer. They don't even discuss. They don't table the matter. There's this sense of urgency that we have got to go find out so in verse 16 they hurried to the village and they found mary and joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger they leave the sheep behind they hurry and find the city the manger and the baby please remember you and i will not find what god has for us next until we appropriately leave and put in the past what he wants us to leave amen painful memories preoccupations with other things in this life. They would never have seen the baby if they wouldn't have left the sheep. They went back to the sheep, but they had to leave that for a while so they could behold. Now in verse 17, after seeing him, the shepherds Hold everyone what happened and what the angel had said to them about this child the bible says there's a peace that goes beyond understanding and a joy that cannot be put into words and they were beginning to feel this joy that they could not contain they had to tell somebody verse 18 all who heard the shepherd's story were Astonished, They were amazed. They were blown away at the story. Angels in a glory-filled sky. A message, good news, great joy for all people. And a Messiah, really? Right here, right now? We don't have to wait anymore? They had to tell people. And everyone they told was absolutely astonished and amazed. Verse 19, but Mary kept all these things in her heart. Okay, she's getting quite an accumulation of of journaling right now, what's going on, and thought about them often. Have you ever thought about Mary's playlist? What was her playlist that she kind of, what was in her treasure chest that she just said, you know what, I'll never forget the time. You know, I... I, I I remember that like it was just the other day. And and it might be like uh, uh, Gabriel visits and, oh, you know, I'll never forget that Joseph, he was ready to kind of call things off until Gabriel talked with him. And he says, "Uh, yes, dear. That was the first yes, dear, I think, ever happened, okay? Uh, Because God made it clear this is what's going to happen. Uh, I I don't think, and to take just a brief moment, uh, let's take a look and see. I, I think it appears probably about now the GPS from Nazareth all the way down to Bethlehem. It's not a little six-mile journey. Oh, no, it's 95 miles, and it takes one day and nine hours, 33 hours to walk in your ninth month of pregnancy, even riding on a donkey. How many ladies would sign up for that gig, huh? Okay, not too many. But Mary says, let it be unto me. I am the Lord's servant. That's the way she responded God. She treasured these things and now she has more to treasure. She not only counted her blessings, she she marked them. She held them as precious. She uh, made them her favorite memories and she endured the tough things and she's going to have more to endure coming up. They're going to have to go to Egypt to get away from things and she will see the most painful thing that she will ever see when she sees this baby of hers die a cruel death on the old rugged cross one day. But she's pondering. And we need to hold on to those things that God does on our behalf. Because right now, she's just added to the list. She's added to the list. No room at the inn, are you kidding me? A manger in a stable. And all of a sudden, here come shepherds who say, you you're the couple this is the baby this is here's what just happened to us now think about the moment that she looked into joseph's eyes have you ever had that moment with your spouse or a friend that you just or a parent or a child you just look in their eyes and you know that god is taking care of us no matter what no matter what no matter what you see she was willing to behold. Now, in verse 20, finishes the story. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, it was just as the angel had told them. Just as, just as, just as. If there would have been a deviation well, it was the next town over. Gosh, I forgot to tell them the right place. No, it wasn't in a barn. It wasn't in a manger. It wasn't in the third floor of a motel. Now, if a few things would have been off, but it was exactly, and I want you to know what God tells us, these checks in here you can cash. It will be just as. Now let's wind this moment down. That's a long story. Thank you for participating. Saturday night, kind of began to flounder about verse 15. You did good. You, you held in. And I'd say most of you are still awake, so that's good. That's good. Now, here's the point of this, and that's simply we have to be willing to behold, to believe, and to become. Would you say that with me? To behold, to believe. And, to become. and if we interrupt that along the way, if the shepherds would have said, well, we can't really see this right now, we got sheep to take care of, we don't have time to go investigate. They never would have become the shepherds in the story of the Bible that were willing to hear the angels go check it out and tell everybody that they saw. Don't substitute being aware for beholding. Look intently at the Word of God. Don't substitute belittling for believing. Well, I believe parts of this, most of it. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm kind of in. Don't substitute behaving for becoming. Because you can't behave good enough, and I can't, until we become the people by the Spirit of God He wants us to become. What are the keys to beholding? I would say gaze, don't glance. Look deeply at the things of God. Don't just give a nod to God on a weekend. You're here for more than a nod. Our folks that are online with us, because you don't count in our numbers until you hang on a half hour. We know that. We're on to you out there, okay? And we're proud of you. But, but, I mean, that's the way we figure out who's, who's tuning in. If you're with us now, you're gazing. You're letting God speak to your heart. You and I have to gaze. James 1 says it's the one who looks intently at the perfect law and doesn't forget that pleases God. I I love Psalm 27. Uh, It's David's prayer. And I always love to contrast Solomon's prayer, God give me wisdom. I'm in over my head. Yes, you are. I'll give you wisdom, God says. But David doesn't ask for wisdom. He doesn't ask for riches. Here's what he asks for. One thing I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord, to gaze upon his beauty, and to inquire of the Lord. He's just saying, God, I want your presence. I I know you'll give me the wisdom I need at the time that I need it. I'm willing to ask, and I'll keep on asking, and I'll keep on asking, and I'll keep on checking in with you, but I can't. Live my life apart from you. That's David's prayer. That's why he was a man after God's own heart. He was the apple of God's eye. He loved God deeply because he beheld him in his glory. Now, what keeps us from beholding? Waiting for somebody's phone to ring because that's always the distraction, isn't it? It's always the distraction in life, and the distractions will lead to an addiction and a preoccupation at best, and that's what can keep us from beholding any kind of an interruption, and we have to be able to say, God, I want to continue to seek you, prioritize you, and hold on to you. The keys moving on from beholding to believing are very simple. It's investigate, and don't wait too late. Don't take too long to check out the deeper things in the word of God. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says that without faith, it's impossible to please God because whoever comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently, earnestly seek him. Without faith, without belief, it's impossible to please God. So what can we do to remove the roadblocks so you and those around can behold him and come to a point of belief? How can we help? But you know what keeps us from believing? In the parable of the sower that Jesus told, he said uh, the sower went out to sow some seed. Some was on on the path. Some fell in rocky soil. Some fell in uh, where there were a lot of weeds and thorns. And and some was in real good, rich, tilled up, cultivated, well-plowed, fertile soil. Well, the birds came and ate what's on the path because that path, that heart, heart was too hard. The ones that's too rocky, it can't take any root. The ones with thorns, it gets choked out by the riches and the wealth and all the deception of the distractions of life. But the good, well-tilled dirt and the well-cultivated heart produces, produces, produces. And that's the heart God wants us to have. And that will keep us from believing deeply and being fruitful if we allow our heart to become hard or rocky filled with thorns now the final part is the keys to becoming and this is usually where it's tough it's one thing to look and to see the story of god hear the message and believe and and get on board and kind of j- join that bandwagon for a moment and get in but but the next thing is becoming you see too many times we are very content to just say i'm going to heaven i'm thanking god for his amazing grace see you there rather than let him transform us. We let him save us. We're thankful for our past being forgiven and wiped away. But what about him making us like him? Romans 8, 29. Is the verse after 8:28? 8:28 simply says, "All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose." We know that one. God's going to work it on out. But 8:29 says, "And He's going to conform you to the image of His Son. You're going to be less like you and more like Him if you allow Him to do that." That's the becoming. The shepherds to hold on to this joy had to become people who would share and tell and know and continue to do the same over and over again. Becoming a follower, a disciple, mature, obedient. In John chapter one, it says that we're given the right to become the children of God when we believe. Romans 12, the transformation happens by the renewing of our mind. And in Colossians chapter one, Paul says, I tell, I warn, I teach with all the wisdom and all the strength that God gives me right here in this life so I can present them complete. Our hope, our goal is to present people in the Northside family and beyond the Northside family complete in the Lord. That's why, that's why you see things in the lobby like this, Quest 52, a book on the teachings and the encounters with Jesus every week, every focus that we have this next year. It's gonna help you 15 minutes a day, five days a week. It's gonna help you and me learn. And yearn for deeper things of God, and we'll become more like Him if we let it. What keeps us from becoming? I think sometimes it's just we get a little too content and say, well, it's kind of up to somebody else. I'm trying my best. Rather than letting God change us deeply from the heart. See, these shepherds were willing to behold, they were willing to show up and listen up. And speak up. And they beheld his glory. They believed the story that the angels told them. They checked it out. And they became, they became his storytellers. We get to tell this story. And if you're like me, it's hard to condense. Okay? I remember a chorus years ago as a kid growing up, it was real simple: it's turn your eyes upon Jesus. It's based out of Hebrews 12. And it's just real simple. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It's real simple. And as I thought about that and kind of weaving this into the, the last part here, I thought, you know, Lord, that's such a Dear song to me, I can still see my mom singing the harmony to that, closing her eyes and just singing it in church and say, Mom, are you falling asleep? Oh, no, she's okay. She's okay. It's just a very worshipful moment for her. But shouldn't it this year be that we turn their eyes upon Jesus? Isn't that our responsibility? It was a responsibility of the shepherds. It's a responsibility of all of us who claim the name of the Lord and call this place home. How can we turn their eyes upon Jesus? Let them look full in his wonderful face. And it happens when we begin to tell the story. Now, for me to ever tell you, here's one of my favorite songs. You know, get comfortable, okay? But this might be my favorite song of all time. The lyrics to it, were were, it was written by a guy named Bob Hamlin in a Christian music group years ago called GLAD. And here are the lyrics to the story song that I love dearly. In the first light of a new day, no one knew he had arrived. Things continued as they had been while a newborn softly cried. But the heavens wrapped in wonder knew the meaning of his birth. In the weakness of a baby, they knew God had come to earth. As his mother held him closely, it was hard to understand that her baby, not yet speaking, was the word of God to man. He would tell them of his kingdom, but their hearts would not believe. They would hate him, and in anger, they would nail him to a tree but the sadness would be broken as the song of life arose and the firstborn of creation would ascend and take his throne he had left it to redeem it but before his life began he knew he'd come back not as a baby but as the lord of every man hear the angels as they're singing on the morning of his birth but how much greater will our song be when he comes again, when he comes again? Hear the angels as they're singing on the morning of his birth, but how much greater will our song be when he comes again to earth, when he comes to rule the earth? My favorite story, my favorite song. And it makes sense in this series. Do you hear what I hear? Do you see what I see? Do you know what I know? Said the night wind to the little lamb. Said the little lamb to the shepherd boy. Said the shepherd boy to the mighty king. Said the king to the people everywhere. How will they know unless we tell them and show them what we have seen and what we've heard? Amen. May we tell them this Christmas together. Love you guys. Have a great weekend.